Praise the Lord for camp. Amen? Wow, I got to tell you, camp does change people's lives. And uh, praise the Lord for all of you that invested. Uh, by the way, adults in this church, I want to tell you, the two greatest investments you'll ever make in giving in any offering will be, um, number one, sending your kids to camp. I'm telling you, there's just eternal rewards in that. Number two, sending your kids on missions trips. If you ever get a chance to support your children going on a missions trip or whatever, that's just a, uh, a great investment. Praise the Lord for that. Happy Father's Day. All right, if you are a grandfather, stand. If you are a grandfather, stand. All right, look at all those grandpas. All right, give them a hand. Yeah, remain standing. Remain standing. All right, well, remain standing back there, Grandpa. Okay, if you're a father, stand with these grandpas. Obviously, you guys are all fathers. Look at all those dads today. Amen. Hey, just for a moment before you sit down, just want to tell you, praise the Lord for the position and the privilege that you have. And thank God for you. The very fact that you're in church today, Dad, is two thumbs up. Every one of you that are sitting ought to thank these dads today. Hey, thanks for going to church. Thanks for bringing me to church. Dads, I just want to tell you that's a great thing. There's never been a time in the history of our country that we need godly men more than we need them right now. So men, thank you for being in church. Thanks for being a dad. Thanks for being a grandfather. And we just want to tell you today, praise the Lord for you. Now, I want to tell you, if you, how many of you men that are standing were in Sunday school today? Raise your hand. Okay, that's vast majority of you. Great response in being a biblical leader today, a servant leader. Thank you for that. I'm not preaching to you guys in this service. I'm going to talk about the greatest dad of all. I'm going to talk about my daddy, my Abba father, our eternal father today. And we praise the Lord for that. But thank you all. Let's give them a hand again. Praise God for all of you. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I want to take a moment and thank Pastor Monday. Pastor Monday has become a good friend of mine. I praise the Lord for his testimony. You know, I, I said something in the first service. I got to say something else now. Every time I've come here, there has been an announcement of a funeral, which is very sobering to me. Uh, and it also has really burdened me. Many of you have gone through grief and sorrow uh, of that nature. I want to say something extremely positive. I believe, I don't know if I'd have the facts on this, Pastor, but I believe that every time that I have come, the church has grown. There's more here today than I believe maybe than ever before that I, that I preached here. So uh, I praise the Lord for what he's doing here and praise to God for the under shepherd that he's given you. And pastor, thanks for letting me preach behind your anorexic pulpit today. And I just love this little guy here, <laughs> okay. And, uh, but I want to thank you for allowing me to speak today and for, your, for allowing me to have Sunday school as well as the morning uh, worship as well. First Chronicles 29. I need to give you a quick testimony before we read this passage. And we're going to stand and read this passage because this is the preacher's opinion, okay? But this, I believe, is the greatest description of God anywhere in the Bible. I do not know of another passage of Scripture in the Bible 
that describes God and his and mentions more of his attributes than this passage here. I've given as an assignment in some of the classes I've taught, how many attributes of God can you find in these four verses? And I want to tell you, I, I've had upwards to 21 attributes, characteristics of God. I think this is the greatest description of God in the Bible. But I want to center on how it starts. But before we get there, I need to give you my testimony. I was born and raised outside of Detroit. And I was born and raised in a very religious home. The home that I was born and raised in was basically be good, do good, look good. And at the end of your life, if your good outweighs your bad, you'll get to go to heaven. Well, I got to tell you, by age 12, I realized that wasn't going real well. And I realized I needed a savior and I needed a relationship with God. I had religion, but I did not have relationship with God. I thought it was you got to work yourself to heaven. But at age 12, I heard the true gospel. We were in a Baptist church similar to this. It was growing. People were getting saved. And in that youth group, I saw young people that had something I didn't have and I wanted. November 8, 1969, on a youth retreat, I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. My mother got saved about a month before, saved out of the Catholic Church. My two sisters got saved that year. My brother did not get saved till 14 years later. He's an older brother. He was out of the home. He got saved at a church function that I was uh, involved with that he came a stakeout, kind of like uh, I think you do the men's meal or it was very similar to that. My brother got saved at that. But let me tell you about my dad. So I got saved at age 12. At age 14, mom and dad get a divorce. I was in a very abusive home. It was not sexual abusive. And I don't think it was necessarily physical. It was definitely emotional and verbal abusive home. Conflict reigned in our home. I never saw my mom and dad hold hands. I never saw them hug. I never saw them kiss. I never really remembered them talking civilly to each other. There was constant conflict and argument. When I heard that mom and dad were getting a divorce in the early 70s, divorce was quite a stigma. But when I heard that my mom and dad were getting divorced, I was actually happy. I loved my mom and I loved my dad. I really did. But boy, I hated being around both of them together. So actually, when they got a divorce, I was kind of happy with that. My dad had anger issues. He was uh, somewhat of an alcoholic. Um, he did a lot of sinful things. I got to lead my dad to the Lord 25 years after, um, after I was saved. At the end of life, at the end of my mother and dad's life, they were both in my church. I pastored both of them. They had restored their marriage, and they, uh, they restored their relationship with each other. They're both buried together, and they're both in heaven to get together today, and I thank God for that. However, because of what I grew up in, I had no proper view of a father whatsoever. Love my dad. I don't think I was ever bitter at dad, but I never had a dad. I never had, he never did anything really with me, and anything he did, it was kind of abusive or fearful or whatever, and so I didn't ever experience what it was to really have a dad. But when I got saved, I got a father, 
I got an eternal father. I have had an Abba father that has meant more to me than anything. My relationship with my father is the greatest relationship that I have. And I want to talk to you today about my, and yours if you know the Lord, your Abba father. And I've entitled the message, My Abba, My Daddy, My Father. If you look with me, if you would, in 1 Chronicles 29, very interesting passage because all of you are familiar with a man named David, killed Goliath, the second king of Israel, and many of you know a phrase that's mentioned about David in the New Testament. He was a man after God's own heart. This was a man who loved God. This is the very end of his life. This is the last recorded words of David in the Bible. He's going to die by the end of this chapter. So these are the last things that David ever said about God. This was in preparation for the, for the temple that would be built. And he gets all of Israel together, the last recorded words of a man after God's own heart, 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13. I'd like to have you stand this morning for the reading of God's word. This is, ah, this is an incredible passage on who God is. And I want you to see how it begins, because it's kind of our text today. 1 Chronicles 29, 10, David's last words on earth. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our, everyone together, finish the verse for me, Father forever and ever. You're my eternal Abba forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Notice the next four words. But who am I? Now listen to me. We have such a focus today in our country on self. Our greatest problem today is not psychology. Our greatest problem today is that we don't have theology. You will never have the right view of yourself until you have the right view of God. When he got the right view of God, I don't know of a better description of God in the Bible, he got the right view of himself. After he says, oh God, thine is the greatness, the glory, the majesty, the victory, you're everything, God. Who am I? You'll always get the right view of you when you get the right view of him. If you got the wrong view of him, you're going to have the wrong view of you. We live in a world that tries to make man God and God, man. Today, I want you to see an eternal Father, an Abba Father. Father, we are so thankful that because of what Christ did, we have access to you as our Abba 
Father. I pray that we would be greatly encouraged today on Father's Day about our eternal Father. Thank you for the incredible response of the fathers in the, er, in the Sunday school hour. That stirred my heart. I hope it stirred yours, Father. But Lord, I pray today that we would understand what it means that you are our Father forever and ever. You are our Abba Father. And may we, on this Father's Day, rejoice in having you as our Abba Father. We pray these things in the name of the one who gave us access to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And God's people said, you may be seated. Thank you. I want you to see three things about our Abba Father. The first, because of him being our Abba Father, is my position. My position. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1 and verse number 12. We have a position in that we are his son. Now, what you have to understand, look at John 1 and verse number 12. But as many as received him. Together. Anyone know? Just shout it out. Who is the him? But as many as received him. Who's him? Jesus Christ. Okay. How many of you have ever received Jesus? Would you raise your hand? You've ever received Jesus? Amen. So this is for you. But as many as received him. To them. Those that received Jesus. Gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You receive Jesus, you come into the family of God. Now this is incredibly important. God is the creator of all mankind. God is everyone's creator, and all man was created in the image of God. So we all have a value and a worth. Every babe in that womb and every homeless person on this earth was created in the image of God, and we have value and worth because of that. However, not all of mankind are the children of God. You become a child of God when you receive the Son of God. But as many as received Him, to them that received Him, they became the sons of God. Now friend, I do not know who you are here today. But this does not make you a child of God by going to church. You do not become a child of God because you were created by him. You become a child of God when you receive the Son of God as your Savior. Now this is extremely important. Because today we just say, well, we're all children of God. We are not all children of God. All right, let me make this really simple for you, okay? Did you know that every person on planet Earth, every, 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 
every person on planet Earth is either in this auditorium right now or outside of this auditorium. Every person, every person on planet Earth is either in this auditorium right now or outside of this auditorium. You say, well, Brother Kelly, you're a pretty profound speaker there. Duh. Let me tell you this. Every person on planet Earth is either in Christ or out of Christ. Every person. You are either in Christ, and if you are, you're a child of God. Or you're out of Christ, and you need to get saved. I don't care about your religion. I don't care about how much you give. I don't care how good, good a person you are. The fact of the matter is, you are either in the family of God or not in the family of God. And that completely depends upon whether you've ever received Christ as your Savior. Take your Bibles now and turn to Romans chapter 8. This is important to find out our position. So, on January 19, 1983, I'm at Baptist Hospital in Pensacola, Florida. My wife has been in labor for 24 hours. This is our first child. Her water broke. She wasn't dilated. It took 24 hours. Whoa, that was a long labor. You know, we wanted to do it all that. We wanted to do this and we wanted to do that. Boy, I got to tell you, those things went by the wayside as we went through this labor. You say, you're saying we. Well, I tell you, my wife went through it, but I was her coach. You know, I taught her breathing. Go, you know, I gave her the breathing thing and I cheered her on, you know, and, and everything like that. But anyways, I am the very first person who saw Ben. Benjamin Daniel Shetler, our first son. I got to be the first one to see him. I got to be the first one to hold him. I cut the umbilical cord. I was, I mean, that was a cool thing. And I, as the first one, I was there on January 19, 1983, the day that Benjamin Daniel Shetler was born. I became that day, everyone together, I became that day a what? Everyone together? No, I didn't become a child that day. I became a father that day. I became dad that day, okay? I, I held that boy in my hand, and I shook. Now, the day I got married, that was a very sobering day. It was a great day, but it was like, ooh, I'm a married man now. But it was nothing like the day I became a dad. Whoa. This baby don't make it if I don't do my job here. I am now a father. Oh, I got a new position. My position now is dad, father. On January 18th, 1983, I was not a dad. But on January 19th, 1983, I became a father. That position meant something. Jim, there were times that I'd kind of forget that I was a dad, you know, as we were going along, oh, yeah, I got to do this, and oh, yeah, I got to do that, oh, yeah, that's right, I'm a dad. Because of my position, I began to act differently. I have to tell you now, my, my oldest son is, is what, what is that, uh, 39 years old. My oldest son's 39. I can't really remember not being a father. How about you? Can you remember not being a dad? I, I'll tell you this, I, I cannot remember in my life not being married. 
and I, well, I mean, I know I, I got memories of being a teenager, but it's like, I just feel like I've been married all my life. And I feel like I've been a father all my life. I, I, I can't remember that now. But there was a time I wasn't a dad. And I had to start living the position that I now am. Look at Romans chapter 8. Oh, this is such a great one. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again. Come on, child of God. Come on, don't go under that bondage again. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit. Notice it's in capital, that's the Holy Spirit. You've received the spirit of, everyone together, what's the next word? Adoption. Whereby we cry, everyone together, what's the next two words? Abba, Father. He's my dad. He's my Abba. He's my father. I have a different position now. I was a child of the father of lies. Today, I'm a child of the eternal father God. That means we're going to act different because of our position. He is now my Abba Father. Start acting like a child of the King. Start acting like part of the family. Because your position has changed. We have got to find and see our identity in Christ. We've got to understand what we are. Because if we can know what we are, it will determine the way we act. Now I'm looking out right now. And some of you are not catching what I'm saying. So let me tell you this. Several years ago, I was pastoring in Pensacola, Florida. At the end of the service, I was out in the foyer with Marilee. And we were shaking hands. One of my members, Jim Porter, owner of Old South Realty. Jim Porter came through, took my hand. He said, hey, pastor, I have a good message today. I said, well, thanks, Jim. He said, hey, did you know this Saturday... Blue Angels, Pensacola, Florida. This is their free air show that they do every year. He said, Pastor, did you know that the Blue Angels were coming in this weekend? I looked at Jim Porter and I said, oh yeah. I know this is the weekend of the Blue Angels. And I'm going to tell you something, Jim Porter. I am not going. We went two years previous. It was the hottest, most humid day we had to park four miles from where they land. We saw these little things up in the air. There was over 80,000 people that came to the Blue Angels Air Show. We didn't bring a cooler. We didn't have drinks. We didn't have anything to eat. And we were miles away from where the action were, was. And I said, I'm never going to a Blue Angels Air Show again in my entire life. It ain't happening. Jim Porter reached in his pocket and pulled out a stack of tickets. And he handed me six tickets. And he said, Pastor, I want you to have these. On the tickets, there were three capitalized letters. I like these three letters. These three letters were V-I-P. Very important person. Above that, it said, retired captain, 
Jim Porter. They had some stuff on the bottom, the date of the, uh, of the air show. He gave me those six tickets, and he said, Pastor, these tickets will give you a better show of the Blue Angels. I took the tickets in my hand. I said, why? He said, first of all, oh, he said, look at the back of the tickets. Back of the tickets. VIP again, party. I said, so what does that mean? He said, you will drive right through the gate of the Naval Air Station. You will drive all the way to the landing strip where the Fat Albert and all the jets will land. You won't only see the planes, you'll actually see the pilots getting in the planes. I said, you're kidding me. You'll, stand right, you'll sit right in the grandstand. There'll be all kinds of dignitaries and everything. And this will give you parking all the way up front. I'm going, whoa. I said, VIP tickets, Jim Porter, retired captain. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let me tell you what else. You will sit right in the grandstand. You'll have the best seats, not only the best parking, you'll have the best seats. I said, oh, yeah. And then, Pastor, he said this. Also, look at the very bottom. I saw the very bottom. Food tent. I said, food tent? What's the food tent? It's all you can eat. It's unbelievable. We've done it the last few years. It is all, don't eat anything before you go. You can get all the drinks you want. You can get all the food you want. It is unbelievable. I said, whoa, I think I might try this one more time. But I said, but I, now listen, this is the whole point of the illustration. But I said, I'm not Captain Jim Porter. And he said, no, 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 that's okay. I have, I'm giving these tickets. I can give them to whoever you want. Now, here, here it is. Here's the illustration. That day, you'll be Captain Jim Porter, VIP. You'll get the parking. You'll get the grandstand seating. And you'll get the food tent. Not because of who you are, Pastor Shetler, but because of who I am, Jim Porter. I said, okay. Well, sure enough, gang, make a long story short, it was unbelievable. We drove by thousands of cars, and we drove right to VIP parking. We were in the grandstand, and I visited the food tent several times. It's funny, my wife didn't want to go. She says, I'm not doing this again. I'm not going out there again. It's not going to be, you know, it was. She was wrong on this. I took six college, five college students with me. It was unbelievable, the experience we had. And I'll tell you why it was unbelievable. It was because I went, not as Jim Shetler, help me out. I went as who? Jim Porter. Retired Captain Jim Porter. Now, let me tell you something. You know what your problem is with your Christian life? You're trying to live your Christian life. You need to see your identity in Jesus Christ. My friend, it is not you. It is him that matters. We have the eternal father as our Abba. It isn't who you are, friend. It is who he is. He is my Abba. He is my father. And all of the riches and all of the blessings are because of my position. Did you catch that verse? Romans, look at that verse. The spirit of, no, no longer the spirit of bondage, uh, again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Wow, my position. Number two, my protection. Because he is my Abba Father, he is my protection. Everyone take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. I like Father's Day because Father's Day is remembering who my everlasting Father is. Listen to this. 
John chapter 10, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. Eternal life. By the way, if it's eternal life, can eternal life ever end? If eternal life ever ends, it's not eternal. Would you agree? If you got everlasting life, you get ever, you get ever, you did not get, aren't you glad you did not get probationary life when you got saved? If you got probationary life, come on now, we wouldn't have done very well. But we got everlasting life. And everlasting life can never end. Because if everlasting life ever ends, it's not everlasting. I give unto you eternal life. And they shall never perish. Now look at this. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. hand. Look at verse 29. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all my Abba Father. No man is able to pluck them out of my, everyone together, what's the last two words? Father's hand. Isn't that great? Man, I have a protection. I'm in my Father's hand. Who's my Father? He's my eternal Father. He's God the Father. And I am in his hands. Let me tell you a story. Now i got to go back to Ben. Ben's a little guy. Uh, I was the baby of the family, so I was never around babies because I was the baby of the family. Uh, Marilee was the oldest in her family, so she had to take care of all her little siblings and all that. But I remember one day when Ben was about, I don't know, he was just about a year old because he was just learning to walk. And I told Marilee, I said, Marilee, I'm going to take Ben for a little walk outside, okay? She said, you be careful now. I said, yeah, yeah, I got this. My boy, you know, I'm a dad now, you know, I got this. So he went out, and I put my hand down. When I put my hand down, he reached up, and he grabbed my little pinky. He got my little pinky. And I, and I said, okay, let's start walking, Ben. And, you know, he's got his little chubby legs, you know. He's, he's taking his little steps, you know. And he's going like, he's going like my, my little pinky. And he stepped on something. I don't know if it was a crack in the cement or it was a stick or a stone, but he stepped on something. And he did the worst thing he could have done. When he stepped on it, he started to lose balance. And you know what he did? He let go. And when he let go, he fell flat on his face. If you saw him today, you would know why he looks the way. No, I'm just doing But he fell flat on his face. He skinned his nose, his forehand, his chin. He's crying. He's wailing. He's got blood on him. And I bring him in, and Miralee goes crazy. She goes ballistic. Give me that. You don't know what you're doing. Stay away from him. Ah, wait till he's five. You know, whatever. About two weeks later, he's got the scabs, you know. About two weeks later, Marilee's out shopping, and I'm taking care of Ben. Ben, you want to go for a walk? Walk, Daddy, walk, Ben. I said, come on, let's go. So we go out. I put my hand down. He grabbed the little pinky. I go, no. And I reach down, and I grab his wrist. Now, we got a different ball game now, Rex. It is not Ben holding on to Dad. Now it's what? Dad holding on to Ben. So we're walking along. And he trips. He begins, I'll pick him up. We go a little bit further. And he trips. And I pick him back up. Now let me tell you something. I'm not letting go of that boy. Number one, my marriage depends on it. But number two, I love the little guy. Now it is me holding on to my son. Not my son holding on to me. Folks, this is not us holding on to God. God, I'm doing my... This is Abba Father holding on to us. And if he's holding on to us, he's not going to let go. And there is no way that he's going to let his child go somewhere that his protection is not. 
I don't know what we're going to go through in the future. We may go through another pandemic. We may go through cancer. We may go through financial times. But I want you to know this. You will never fall out of the hands of this everlasting Abba Father. God's got a hand on you, and he's not going to let you go. I may have been out of God's will a few times in my life, but I've never been out of the hands of God. He is my father, and because of that, I have a new position. He is my father. Because of that, I have great protection. And last, and we're done, he is my provision. He is my provision. And because he is my provision, I get answers to prayer from my daddy. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke 11. you got to see this today. If anything will encourage you today, I don't know your background. I have no idea. Uh, you may come from a home like mine, maybe worse. You may never even known your dad. But can I tell you about this Abba Father? He wants to provide for you. Would you look at Luke chapter 11? Look at verse 9. I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Look at verse 10. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh shall be opened. Now, everyone, look at verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Now think about that for just a moment. Your son comes up to you. Hey, I need some bread. Here's a stone. Okay, that's not going to happen. If he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Come on, this doesn't even make sense. Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? I mean, there had to be men that were laughing when Jesus said this. Hey, then, he says this. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Folks, dads, raise your hand again. Just raise, you don't have to get up. Raise your hand again, dads. Come on. If your child asks you something, you if, you if it's in your power, you're going to do it. Thank you. It's going to be in your power. You're going to give it to your son. You're going to give it to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give to you if you ask? You know what our problem is? You don't think you're in the right family. I'm not saying you're not saved today. But you're not acting like he is your heavenly father. He can provide. Go to him with your prayer requests. Go to him and ask. God will provide. Number two, see, not only does he provide answers to prayer, he provides correction. And all the dads said, okay, maybe not. All right. But, okay, but let me tell you, this is one of the coolest things about provision. Let me read you Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence, 
shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Okay, now, I raised three sons. There's a lot of spankings in the Shetler home. It wasn't because I hated my boys. I never used my hand. We always used a paddle. I always sent them to the room. I said, wait there. A lot of times we had to do that for me to calm down. But it was good for them to have to think about it. But I got to tell you something. And my boys will stand here and testify of this today. Never did I spank my sons. That we did not pray. That they did not admit what they had done wrong. They got their consequences. We prayed. I would always hug them. And I would look at the door. And I would say, hey, it's over now. We walk out the door. It's done. Do you understand? And you know what? Some of the most joyous times in our family was after a spanking, after a correction, because attitudes began to change. Things began to happen. It was such a better spirit. I remember my wife used to say sometimes, Jim, there's go something going on in the family with the boys right now. Someone needs a spanking. I don't know who, but someone needs a spanking. It just cleared the air. Now listen to me. God does chasten us. God corrects us. He chastens us because he what? Loves us. He provides, not only does he provide answers to prayer, he provides correction. Then the last thing, we're done for the day. He provides himself. Listen, listen to this passage in Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, this is such a good passage. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in, high, in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be, that we should be holy and without blame. Now look at this. Having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Jim's value, Jim's worth, is not who I am. It's not my gender. It's not my age. It's not abilities. I don't have any. It's not my looks. That's obvious. My value and worth is because of God. Now, I'm going to show you something. Okay, you all ready? You guys all ready up there? You ready up there with the picture? Here we go. Get ready. I am going to show you. The most beautiful woman the world has ever known. You say, you're going to show us a picture of your wife? Hold on. Just hold on for just a minute. Here she is, the most beautiful woman the world has ever known. Well, I don't think so, Brother Kevin. That's the Mona Lisa. Yeah, yeah, Brother Kevin, that is not the most beautiful woman. Yeah, she doesn't even light a candle to my wife, okay. But can I tell you something about her? 750 million dollars. One person has stated, an art uh, uh, expert has stated that the next time the Mona Lisa goes up, it will be over one billion dollars. No painting has ever been worth that much. Now look at look at her. Yeah. That woman ain't worth no $1 billion, let me tell you. 
that is not the most beautiful person you've ever seen. That is a merchant of Venice's wife. A merchant of Venice's wife lived hundreds of years ago. That ain't it. Why is that woman worth $750 million? Not because of the way she looks, but because of who painted her. Because Leonardo da Vinci painted that, that's worth almost a billion dollars. Not because of her, but because of who painted her. Are you hear this? Our worth and value is not because what we can do. Our worth and value is who painted us, who created us. Guys, we have an Abba Father who created us for a purpose and a plan. You're his child, and there is no way that he's not going to provide for you. There's no way he's not going to protect you. And my friend, start living like the position that you have in God. Now, today's Father's Day. And dads, I hope you feel recognized. You're going to get a gift on the way out. Some of you got a towel in Sunday school. And, 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 and I hope we honored you. But can I tell you what this day's really about? Is honoring our Abba Father. Because we have an everlasting Father that you'll never go through anything that he will not hold on, he will not provide, and you have a position. Stop acting like you're a child of this world. You're a child of the king, and that should make a difference in the way we live and what we experience. I am a child of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I thank you that we can call you Abba Father. And whether we have a prayer request today, Father, we can come to you with that request. Father, no matter what we're going through, you're going to hold on to us. There is nothing that's going to happen to us that you're not going to take care of. God, we believe that you love us. We're thankful that you're our Abba Father. And Father, I don't know of anything I'd like to pray more for this church than that we would start living like the children of the family of God. Father, that one young man talked about a brotherhood. They went to camp and he really sensed an acceptance and a brotherhood. God, wouldn't it be that that would be true with the children of God? That all of us are your family. That we would treat each other like brothers and sisters in Christ. That we would see that you're our father. Our common denominator isn't that we've gone through cancer together, that we're, that we're, femin that we're females or that we're males or that we're hunters or or that we're farmers. That's not our common bond. Father, we come to this church because we have the same Father. And that Father is you, our Abba Father. Oh Lord, if there's somebody here today that has never received the Son, I pray today that they would claim your promise. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Father, I ask, that if they're here today without Christ, that they would receive Jesus and become a part of the family of God. And then, Lord, for the rest of us that have sometime along our life, we ask Jesus to save us and we got to be a part of the family of God. May we live what we are. May we see our worth and value not in ourselves but in you. God, thank you that no matter what happens in our life, no matter how deep the valley 
we can say, Abba, Father, help me. Abba, Father, I need you. Thank you today that we could take a day and we can remember our heavenly Father. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many of you can say with assurance that you know Jesus Christ, you have received Christ, and you know today without a doubt that no matter what happens to you, that you'll never lose your everlasting salvation. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. You have Jesus Christ. If that's true, as a testimony to God today, could you lift your hands all over the auditorium? By the way, if you got your hand up right now, you should be rejoicing on Father's Day. You got an Abba Father. Thank you. You may put your hands down. If you're here today, and just a moment ago, you could not raise your hand, can I encourage you 